0: You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Well, good morning. Thank you for being with us in worship. We're continuing our study in the book of Habakkuk. My topic this morning, so relevant, standing in awe of God in times of trouble. And my prayer is that this message will minister to us in these difficult days and really just speak to our heart. One of the things that I appreciate so much about this small prophetic book of Habakkuk, three chapters, is that it helps us, it supports us in developing a biblical worldview. What do I mean by that? Well, the book of Habakkuk demonstrates that there will be good times and sometimes very difficult days in our life. Habakkuk experienced wonderful times under the revival of King Josiah. King Josiah led uh, the people of Israel back to God. The book of the law was discovered in the temple, and he read God's word. It broke his heart, and he repented, and he went on a journey to revive worship of the one true God in spirit and in truth. However, in 609... King Josiah died his son Jehoiakim took the reins. And the Bible's very clear in 2 Chronicles of Kings that Jehoiakim did evil in the eyes of the Lord and led God's people astray. Habakkuk saw the good days and now these terrible days. Add fuel to the fire. Babylon's coming. Judah's gonna be conquered. Jerusalem's gonna be destroyed. Worship will end. The temple will be looted. And thousands of people... Will be taken into captivity. Friends, these are difficult days. Now, sometimes we think that uh, that's non-normative, but reading Scripture, you'll see from the book of Job to the sufferings that God's people uh, have experienced that this is more normative than not. You know, close to three months ago, Things were going really well. We were experiencing some good times. I remember reflecting on such a mild winter and being so thankful. And then, of course, we saw uh, unemployment at its lowest in decades. The Dow hit 29,000. People couldn't believe it. It seemed like good times. And then, boom, COVID-19. We're blindsided. And again, friends, I'd like to suggest that... Um, Good times aren't necessarily the norm. There's something to be celebrated, as Habakkuk demonstrates. But there's also difficult days. And the book of Habakkuk prepares us for that. You know, I reflected on America's history from around 1860 to present. You think it through, that's about 160 years. And there were some good times and some very difficult times, going back to the Civil War. Our country was divided north against south. Families were ravaged. Thousands died. Those were difficult days. Then from 1870 to 1910, the Industrial Revolution brought great prosperity. And people thought, wow, a utopian society is possible. But then what happened? First World War. And then a pandemic of epic proportions. The Spanish flu where 100 plus million people died. The Great Depression, World War II, my goodness, the list goes on and on, Korea, Vietnam, the Gulf War, and then in 2008, many of you remember the financial collapse. Now, I'm not trying to be gloom or doom, but I'm trying to paint a biblical worldview because Habakkuk wants us to be prepared for the good times and the difficult times because difficult times are a part of our journey. Why? We live on this side of heaven, folks. Sin brings death. All creation today continues to cry out for redemption as we do. We look forward to that day of glory. But Habakkuk helps us form a worldview to say, hey, celebrate the good times and stand in awe of God. Thank him. But also when we go through the difficult times, we can still stand in awe of God and fulfill the teaching in everything, give thanks for God's will is being accomplished. And so some of you watching right now, I'm convinced, have really been impacted by the COVID-19. There's dark days, there's struggles at home, you know, being cooped up, You're bumping into each other a little bit more. You're discouraged. There's even depression. Can I encourage you this morning from Habakkuk chapter three? Look up. Find your strength, your hope. Stand in awe of God even in these difficult days. Others of you watching, I'm convinced it's just not COVID-19. It's been the past year or two. It's been hard. Your marriage is struggling. You're wondering if it will survive. Some of you are facing difficult days because of health issues or finances. Some have lost loved ones, have struggled with extended family member, and relationships have fallen apart. Can I encourage you to, from Habakkuk chapter three, in the midst of the difficult days, stand in awe of God, look up, find strength, and hope in him. You know, Habakkuk lived... In terrifying times, around 600 B.C., when God's design, Babylon is coming and Judah's going to be taken into captivity. And yet what we're going to see this morning, when all was lost, family, friends, worship, Habakkuk is able to cry out to God in prayer and praise. And so I'd like to encourage you, if you downloaded your digital worship guide, we always encourage that. There is a outline for the talk. I'd like to start with the blessing. And the blessing is this. In times of trouble, each one of us can stand in awe of God. And here's the encouragement, folks, through prayer and through praise. And so this morning... Habakkuk's prayer in chapter three is a song, it's a poem, it's an anthem, and it went uh, as a song up to God in prayer and worship. It's a timeless song, it's a soul-nourishing prayer, it's a faith-orienting anthem that causes us to get our eyes off of circumstances and put it where it belongs a God who loves us, who cares for us, who sees and will nurture us in our times of trouble. And so three things about Habakkuk's prayer, three dimensions we're going to look at. Dimension number one, pray remembering. I love this truth. Look, if you would, to Habakkuk chapter three, just the first two verses. We read, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. According to Shigianoth, Lord, I have heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. In your wrath, I love this phrase, remember mercy. The first and main thing Habakkuk does in chapter three is to recall one of the greatest events in human history, The exodus of Israel from the land of Egypt. Habakkuk looks back so he can look forward. And in looking forward, he stands in awe of God. The exodus of Israel from Egypt is the most often repeated event in the Old Testament. Why? God wants his people to remember this redemptive act of salvation. And so, if you would look at the text in verses 3 through 5, what does Habakkuk do? He recounts the pestilence. He recounts the plagues that God brought on Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. Then in verses 5 through 6, he reflects on the shaking of the ground, and this is Mount Sinai where God met with his people, gave them the Ten Commandments, and he was present in their midst. Then in verses 7 through 15, Habakkuk reviews how God overcame the ruthless and oppressive Pharaoh of Egypt. You know what Habakkuk is doing here? He is recounting the gospel Habakkuk is praying, Lord, revive your work in these years. Do a work of epic proportion like you did in the Exodus. Now, what is that work? What are the deeds that Habakkuk is praying for? In essence, he is praying for salvation, for God's redemption of his people. The memory of the Exodus is truly Habakkuk's gospel, God did something for his people that they could have not done for themselves. He miraculously intervened. He entered human history and he brought them out of bondage. He saved a nation, not by their works or deeds, but by his miraculous power and his intervention. Habakkuk connects what he knows about God and what Yahweh accomplished in the past in order to stand in awe of God in the presence. Friends, that is a great way to pray in time of trouble. Habakkuk encourages us, pray scripture remember the great acts of God, know your Bible, memorize it, internalize it, then in times of trouble, like Habakkuk, you'll be able to go back and remember that God is faithful. He is a covenant-keeping God, and he is at work, and we can stand in awe of him. What's beautiful about Habakkuk He finally takes his eyes off his situation. He meditates on God and the same redemptive stories you and I have from Genesis to Revelation. He ponders God's great deeds, God's mighty acts, and it fills his mind, it fills his heart, it fills his being, resulting in prayer and resulting in praise. Now I trust you realize this morning that we have a vantage point that Habakkuk did not have. We can look back 2,000 years and remember the greatest event in human history, what I would call the ultimate exodus. I want to encourage you to flip to the New Testament. I want to show you something so wonderful. It's found in Luke chapter 9. We'll just look at verses 28 through 31 and as you turn there let me set the stage Uh, this is what's called the transfiguration it's later in jesus's ministry as he had done before he takes three disciples peter james and john and he is transfigured Uh, he demonstrates his glory so follow along with me if you would Luke 9, 28, he, Jesus, took along Peter, John, and James and went up to a mountain to do what? To pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. His clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his death, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Friends, I find that absolutely a remarkable situation and conversation. Moses is talking to Jesus about his upcoming death in Jerusalem. God's servant, who risked his life to accomplish the first exodus, is in dialogue with Jesus, who will give his life a ransom for many, to accomplish again what I call the ultimate exodus. Moses told Israel, take an unblemished lamb, sprinkle the blood on the doorpost of the home. When the angel of death sees it, what will happen? The angel of death will pass by. And here's what's beautiful, folks. Jesus is the unblemished lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The ultimate exodus is Calvary. While hanging on that cursed tree, Jesus paid the penalty for you and for me. He purchased our redemption. He purchased our salvation. He rescues us from bondage and slavery to sin. Romans chapter 6 through chapter 8. Habakkuk stood in awe of God's mercy and the first exodus, and here's what he prays. Lord, in your wrath, remember mercy, remember redemption and salvation. We have the privilege to stand in awe of God's mercy and remember the ultimate exodus, Calvary. Therefore, whatever hardship, pain, hurt, struggle, loss you are facing, What do we do in times of trouble? We look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We remember the ultimate exodus, Calvary, and we stand in awe of God's mercy through prayer and through praise. And so, how do we stand in awe of God? First, by remembering, looking back to the ultimate exodus, Jesus' sacrificial death, on behalf of you and me. Dimension number two, and this is beautiful. First we pray remembering, now we pray rejoicing. Look at verses 16 through 18 of Habakkuk chapter three. Habakkuk wrote, I heard, I trembled within, my lips quivered at the sound, rottenness entered my bones, I trembled where I stood. Now, I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, I love this transition, yet I will triumph in Yahweh. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. In these six phrases of beautiful poetry, Habakkuk describes the severity of what will happen to Israel. Now stick with me. Habakkuk talks about figs. Though the fig tree doesn't blossom, and figs were a delicacy in the ancient world. It was kind of like a dessert. Okay, if you don't have the figs, the dessert, all isn't lost. Then he highlights grapes. Grapes were primarily used to make wine. And wine was an important beverage in the ancient world. But all isn't lost. But now, he says the olives aren't coming forth. And olives were extremely important. Olive oil for cooking. Olive also had medicinal value. They used the olive oil for lights to light their homes and communities. But notice what happens. Now he moves from those three to the fields, no longer producing two staples of barley and wheat. Now he's describing genuine suffering and starvation. Sheep were used for wool, and there's no sheep in the pen. There's no clothes to keep us warm uh, during these days. Sheep were also used for trading when the harvest didn't come in and there was no sheep for trading. Cattle were not often eating. They were used for agriculture, for farming. And there's no cattle available. In other words, there's no farming. There's no crops. And this is a difficult time. And so what Habakkuk is reflecting on, all is lost. We will not recover next year. We will not have the means to start over. We will not have the means to farm our land. Habakkuk is describing Uh, A scorched earth policy of starvation, of suffering, analogous to what happened after World War II in Europe. But then, don't miss this. A dramatic recalibration happens in verse 18 when Habakkuk says, Yet I will triumph in Yahweh. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Folks, these two words, triumph and rejoicing, literally mean to exalt, to celebrate God in the midst of suffering. This is the strongest possible way to say that one is determined to rejoice in the Lord regardless of circumstances. You know, Habakkuk is so much like Job here. We have suggested that Habakkuk is a mini-Job. Do you remember what Job said? Though he slay me, yet I'll hope in him, yet I'll praise his name. What a beautiful reality. Friends, this is remarkable because Habakkuk literally is rejoicing in the midst of the suffering. He just doesn't push through it. He just doesn't survive. No, he is thriving now. He is rejoicing. But don't miss the reason why. Notice what the text says. Everything is gone. His portfolio has been stripped away. Yet Habakkuk says, I will triumph. I'll rejoice. Why? Because God, number one, is my rock. Yahweh is a covenant-keeping God. I trust him. He is faithful. He is my salvation and I stand in awe of him. This is a total recalibration of Habakkuk's heart, of his thinking, of his feelings that result in worship through prayer and through praise. Remember in chapter one, Habakkuk had more questions than answer. Then in chapter one, verse 12, he calls God out. He says, listen, I thought you were all wise. I thought you were from everlasting to everlasting. Everlasting. Habakkuk was really struggling in chapter 1 and then through chapter 2, but now there's a change of heart, there's a change of thinking resulting in prayer, praise, and worship of God. The question that you and I often ask is, is this possible? In the midst of the most difficult experience of life, can I really choose joy? Joy. Well, let me give you an example from an individual's life who was on a journey of service to the Lord. I love missionary biographies. I'm an avid reader of those. Here's one very beautiful story. In 1851, an English missionary named Alan Gardner, he was shipwrecked with a number of his colleagues off a small island off the coast of South America. Sadly... The whole team died of starvation, one individual at a time. And Alan Gardner was the last to pass away. They found Alan's journal next to his body. His last journal entry cited is from Psalm 3410. I want to show that to you. Young lions lack food and go hungry. This is a man starving to death. But those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Gardner's last words, folks, are essentially, I am overwhelmed with the sense of the goodness of God. That's remarkable. Here's a man far from home, starving to death, having his hopes and his dreams dashed, watching his team die of starvation, being overwhelmed with the goodness of God. Now let's think about that for a moment. How do you and I ordinarily come to the conclusion that God is good? It's real simple. When things are going well, right? When the fig trees are blossoming, When the 401k is prospering, when we are healthy and free of pandemics, when things are going the way we want and circumstances of life line up, then we say, God is good all the time. However, Habakkuk, Alan Gardner found a way to experience joy and celebrate the goodness and glory of God, even when life was falling apart. The Apostle Paul hangs his hat on this concept of being joyful, choosing joy, praying, rejoicing. When he wrote this from a prison cell, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. Friends, that's in the imperative mode. It's a command And he says, be joyful always. Is that possible? It is. When we take our eyes off ourselves, when we take our eyes off our circumstances, and we look up and we stand in awe of God, we remember his great plan of redemption and salvation. We remember that he is a joyful God who imparts joy to us. And we can be filled with joy in the midst Of the most painful settings. So Habakkuk prays remembering. He prays rejoicing. And now, finally, dimension number three Habakkuk prays resting. Look at verse 19. It's a beautiful metaphor. Yahweh, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. I want to show you a picture of the wilderness uh, of Judea in Israel. Notice the steep, mountainous, rocky terrain and deep canyons. Friends, I've been there. I love Israel. It's, It's a place you should visit, but I'll tell you something. You go to the wilderness of Judea, it is a very difficult and even dangerous place to travel When Habakkuk refers to the feet of a deer, he is referring to the feet of an ibex which live among the rocky mountainous terrain in the wilderness. However, the ibex are able to move swiftly and gracefully with little effort and on nearly impossible trails of hazardous heights. They can do this because God, their creator, designed them with special hooves that act as suction cups to secure their footing, enabling them to grip the rock without slipping. So what must we learn from this picture, from the ibex, from this metaphor? Well, I think it's real simple. In the ancient world, the heights were the safest place you could possibly be. The people who inhabited the high ground could not be easily attacked. Those on the mountain heights could see for miles in every direction and have a unique vantage point. What a beautiful metaphor then to describe the security, the safety, the peace, and rest that our Lord provides even in the midst of suffering, in difficult days, during hardship and incredible loss. That is why Habakkuk closes his prophetic book, rejoicing and praising God. Therefore, when God chooses a path for us that is more difficult, painful, full of questions, sorrow, and hardship, he wants us to know that we can find our peace, our comfort, our safety, our security, our sure footing, our hope, our rest in him. That is why I call Habakkuk the gospel. This is good news because Habakkuk ultimately points us to Jesus. Why Jesus? Well, three things as we close. First, because today we can look back remembering the greatest act in human history, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus was with his disciples celebrating the Passover, He took the bread, he took the cup, he lifted it towards heaven, gave thanks. He said, this is my body broken, this is my blood shed. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said, remember the greatest act in human history. And when we pray, we pray remembering that God purchased our salvation through Jesus Christ. And when all of life seems to be uh, falling apart and unraveling, we look to that great event we remember what god did for us through jesus christ in addition we pray rejoicing why because jesus gives us joy in john 15:8 jesus said this i have spoken these words to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete folks that is beautiful why do we pray with joy and rejoicing? Because Jesus' joy lives within us. And then finally, Jesus invites us to find our spiritual rest in him so we can pray resting. One of my favorite passages in the Gospel of Matthew is Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Track with me, please. It's an invitation for all of us. Come to me, Jesus says. All you who are weary and burdened, Habakkuk was weary and burdened. Many of us today are weary and burdened. Come to me, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. All of you, take my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart. And what's going to happen? You're going to find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. In closing, may I encourage you. In times of trouble, pray remembering the greatest act of human history, Christ's sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection on our behalf. Pray rejoicing because he gives us his joy. Pray resting, spiritual rest, regardless of the circumstances. And so, friends, may I ask you, have you experienced his spiritual rest? Have you accepted the invitation to come to Christ? To look to Jesus, the author and finisher of the Christian faith? If you are here this morning, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, to put your trust in Him, your faith in Him, your hope in Him, to uh, say yes to his redemptive work on your behalf, the ultimate exodus to free you from sin, to free you from bondage. I want to encourage you, today could be the day of your salvation. When I came to faith in Christ, I prayed a prayer of faith to the Lord, just expressing my desire to confess my sin, to turn from it and put my faith and trust in Christ. And so if you're watching this morning, You want to find spiritual rest in Christ. You want to experience the joy of Jesus. I invite you to pray with me now this prayer of faith. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the ultimate exodus, for Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection to purchase my salvation. And Today I confess that I'm a sinner. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin and I put my faith and trust in the living Christ. Father, thank you that through Jesus I can have true joy in the midst of trouble. I can rest, have spiritual rest because of his finished work at Calvary. I pray this prayer, believing by faith that you hear and answer. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we would love to help you take next steps in your spiritual journey. And uh, on our Facebook uh, live chat, you can uh, connect with us. You can also go to our website and communicate to that uh, most important decision. And we'll follow up with you. We'll encourage you. We believe in sacred space and we're gonna be live still for the next 10, 15 minutes. Love to hear from you how God's working in your life. As always, we want to pray for you. If there's any way we can pray for you, uh, through Facebook chat, through our website, we have a prayer page. Please connect with us. Thank you once again for being with us in worship. May God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Stand in awe of God, even in times of trouble.